little different perspective here today. Uh, feel so far from you, but uh, but it's well worth it. If you uh, come back at three o'clock, we'll even if the snow comes, we'll get you out. Uh, so, but I hope you hope you can make it. Um, what a wonderful song, uh, really about God's um, amazing love for us. I, I'm not sure if you. Uh, I hope you caught all the lyrics. Uh, the, it's a song about the cross. It's a song about. Jesus taking our brokenness and our sin upon himself on that beautiful, scandalous night. Uh, But as we celebrate a different kind of Christmas this month, it's another night that we are preparing for, that we're looking forward to, the night of Jesus' birth. And it, too, was a beautiful, scandalous night. Uh, What do I mean by that? Well, this time, uh, this morning, we'll hopefully answer that question. You see, I believe that understanding, truly understanding the purpose and meaning behind Christmas, where God became a human baby so long ago, will make this a different kind of Christmas. Uh, Not just today, but every day. I think it'll make every day, every Christmas uh, on forward into the future even more amazing. You see this story, the story of, of the incarnation, of God becoming flesh and becoming a, a human baby dwelling among us. It's really a story that is too good to be true, except that it is true. And it renders everything else that we can get caught up in, in the midst of a holiday season or life in general, it renders all of that other stuff meaningless. You know, I found that, that many people experience God the way that I experienced the Illinois Wesleyan uh, campus security guard uh, many years ago. Uh, uh, by the way, my, my name's Andy. I'm so glad that you're here today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I grew up on the campus, practically on the campus of Illinois Wesleyan University um, in Bloomington. And my little neighborhood friends and I, uh, we wreaked havoc there uh, from time to time. Um, Among other things, it sounds so ridiculous now, uh, but we we would climb trees and kind of hide in the the branches and the leaves, and then we'd just yell at passersby. We would take pennies, uh, sometimes a penny and a dime together and stick them in, in kind of the, the door latch uh, to the women's gymnasium at Illinois Wesleyan. And then over Christmas break, uh, when all the students and everybody else is gone, we'd sneak in and play basketball on the really nice uh, court, uh, my friends and I. Uh, so you can't do that kind of stuff anymore, but back then you could. Uh, but w- we would ride our bikes all over the quad as if we owned the place. Uh, there were even times when we would sneak, try to sneak into the women's locker room uh, well, just use your imagination. What can I say? We were in, we were in junior high school at the time. But, but during all those years, my friends and I, we had this nemesis on uh, the Illinois Wesleyan campus. I never knew his name, uh, but he was the campus security guard. And, and we, we always knew uh, that he was on our trail. And, and so w- uh, we knew that uh, he knew th- what we were up to, and we knew that he knew. So we were always on the watch. We were hiding, uh, always being sneaky, uh, trying to keep out of sight. Uh, but, but when we were up to our mischief, of course, we called it having fun. Uh, <laughs> when we were up to it, he, he was never too far behind. Uh, he never did catch us. Uh, thankfully, I might not be here today if he did. Uh, but he was always trying, always pursuing, ready to just let us have it. 
I think a lot of people see God that way. That he's coming after us. He's just waiting to catch us and, and then, you know, let us have it. Um, and if that is ever the way that, that you viewed God, um, then you'd be at least half right. You see, God is coming after you. God is relentlessly pursuing you. But the question is, what is he going to do when he catches you? You know, the Old Testament book of Hosea is a story of God's relentless pursuit of his people, who, who kind of like me and my friends, uh, really were up to no good. Um, and to understand the story, you have to understand that throughout the Bible, uh, God's relationship with his people was uh, oftentimes uh, communicated within the analogy of a marriage. Um, in fact, one of the biblical metaphors for the church is, is this picture of uh, the church being the bride of Jesus, the bride of Christ. Uh, God's people, you and me, the church, we, we are the bride of Christ. Uh, but this metaphor goes to an entirely new level when God in the Old Testament, uh, so think 2,800 years ago, uh, God gave these instructions to his prophet Hosea. Instructions, by the way, that none of us would ever want to hear. Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. God told Hosea, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Hosea received probably the most difficult assignment of any prophet. His life was to be on display as a spiritual illustration. And in this illustration, Hosea is meant to represent God's relentless pursuing love. And Hosea's wife of prostitution, her name is Gomer, uh, represents God's people. Not just God's people at the time, but God's people throughout history, today even, you, you and me included. Um, how many of you uh, took time this week, saw the Facebook posts and saw some of the uh, little videos, the Hosea videos? Okay, a few of you did. Uh, uh, if you were here last week, you saw part one. And we're probably thoroughly confused by it. Uh, in fact, I was talking with somebody at the 8 o'clock service who said, I was about to call the office. I did not know what that was about. And, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, so now hopefully you know who Hosea is and the context uh, for that modern retelling of the Hosea story that we began last Sunday and had been posting parts 2, 3, 4, and 5 uh, throughout uh, this week. Uh, but in this modern retelling of Hosea's love story, we see a really a painful picture uh, of a loving husband, who, uh, a new husband, who has had his heart just torn out by the continued uh, unfaithfulness of his very brand new bride. And, and throughout history, uh, and, and this story uh, in Scripture, we see... Um, not only her unfaithfulness, 
Um, and in the videos, we, we get just this picture of really her contempt for him. And eventually she leaves. She, she completely uh, leaves. He has no idea where she's at and, and what it is that she's doing. But then in the scripture, then God gave Hosea even more instructions. Um, this is chapter 3, verse 1. God told Hosea, go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Yes, God's instructions reveal his relentless pursuit of his continually, repeatedly unfaithful people. God doesn't give up. He persists in his love. He's not trying to catch us to, to let us have it. Uh, he wants to catch us and, and shower his unconditional love on us. And, and in the end of this uh, beautiful story in Scripture, we, we actually see uh, we get to see a, a vision of a future time when God's people will, will return to God despite their unfaithful past. And more importantly, that God will be there with open arms offering love and healing. Uh, but check out how this modern retelling uh, kind of concludes this part of the story.
friends, I don't want you to miss this. In fact, I believe this could be the most important Christmas message you ever hear. Hosea's raw version of God's scandalous love is really what the meaning of Christmas is about. You see, each of us, like Gomer, we're tainted, we're imperfect, we're, we, we are broken, we're sinful, we're rebellious, we, we want things our way, and we, we, we have turned our affections to other lovers. Money, success, uh, approval of others, pleasure, e- even sex, y- you name it. Some of us, and we do this in, in very open ways that everybody can see and point to, and others of us, we're, we've gotten a lot better at just kind of hiding it, disguising it, keeping it from the sight of others. But none of us, none of us can hide from God's awareness. In fact, I, I was reading an article recently about Ted Haggard. Uh, some of you uh, have heard about Ted in the past. Uh, he was a prominent pastor in Colorado, uh, a great leader, preacher at a church with over 10,000 members. Uh, but that was before what many have called Ted's fall from grace. Um, that was about a decade ago, a little over a decade ago. Uh, for a few years, Ted had been having extramarital sexual encounters with a male prostitute. And when it became known and he was caught in his infidelities, uh, the media got a hold of it and, and he uh, immediately resigned from all of his leadership positions. And that was, that was 2006. But now Ted is reconciled to his loving wife, Gail, Uh, And after a few years away from ministry, uh, he is a pastor again. Ted is also brutally honest about his uh, many failures. Um, He got caught, and the consequences were devastating to many um, and very, very painful. But Ted, he didn't fall from grace. He fell into grace. But I have to be honest with you, there aren't many people out there who want to give Ted Haggard or anyone else like him uh, another chance. In fact, if you Google his name, you will find all kinds of hate uh, spewed in his direction. He he has lost numerous uh, Christian friends. Uh, He's been labeled a pariah, uh, an outcast, Uh, Not not a whole lot different than Gomer. And yet God illustrates his scandalous love uh, in in this scripture story by telling Hosea to go and buy her back from prostitution and even more scandalously, inviting her back into his bed and to bear children. You see, when you get caught by God's love, it's not for punishment. It's for lavishly undeserved love. You know, oftentimes the most powerful words anyone can hear are, God loves you. Uh, You'll hear that a lot around here. Um, In fact, I'll never forget uh, visiting with a young lady uh, who had uh, made a lot of just 
objectively bad decisions in her past. And as we were in conversation, I, I must have casually mentioned God's love for her. And she stopped me mid-sentence and, and said, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And, and I was like, saying what? And, and, and she, said, she said, nobody ever tells me that God loves me. Instead, from a very young age, all I ever heard about was how disappointed in me God was. Everybody's heard that God loves them, but when you've done stuff like I've done, she said, you begin to question it. So thank you for telling me that God loves me. It means more to me than you would ever know. So I want to share the most important Christmas message you may ever hear today. God loves you. He's been pursuing you since before the day you were born, and he wants to catch you. Not, not to reprimand you, but to pour out his love on you, wrap his arms around you and call you his own. He wants to buy you back from what, whatever other uh, lovers you've given yourself to. He wants to save you from the other side of the tracks, give you a brand new start. You see, Christmas really is, is the celebration of our God who comes to be with us. God who is the one who pursues us, the incarnation, uh, which really means that, you know, God becoming flesh, dwelling among us, being a baby born in a stable. That is the revelation, the proof of God's scandalous love affair with humanity. And he proved it, not just by being born in a manger, but by what he did on the cross, where he humbled himself again and died so that you and I might have life, so that we might live, so that we might know to what lengths he would go to be with us. He died to be with us. So how should we respond to this all-important message? I, I, I think a couple of ways. Uh, first and foremost, like Gomer, you, you and I need to return to God and receive his scandalous love. I, some of you need to do that today. You cannot fall from God's grace. You can only fall into it. You see, grace, grace is God's scandalous love. And, and it's what the message of Christmas is all about. In spite of our failures, uh, God wants, uh, wants us and comes to us to bring us back to him. And if you're at a point in your life or maybe in your journey with Jesus where you, you want to receive his grace, his scandalous love, then, then do it. Open your heart to receive his unconditional, unmerited favor for you. Re receive his grace. If, if you'd like to talk with, with me or another pastor about that, just indicate that on your connections card today. Uh, just say, I'd love, love to set up, or I'd like to be contacted by a pastor. I'd love to set up a time to talk about this. I, I, I'd love to follow up with you about that this week. That is so important. I, I don't want you to miss that this Christmas. Uh, but many of you have already received God's grace, and you have been doing your absolute best to live your life in his grace. Your next response really is to give God's scandalous love. Re remember, no one 
uh, can fall from God's grace. Nothing is so horrible that it is irredeemable. Jesus paid for it all on the cross. And, and you, as one who has received God's grace, are called. We are called to be grace givers. I mean, maybe there is someone that you need to forgive. Maybe uh, there's someone that you need to say, God loves you too. Maybe God will put somebody in your path this week who needs to know that they can't fall from God's grace. You know, be a grace giver. If your life is defined by having received God's grace, then, then God's plan is for you to be the same kind of scandalous lover that he is. Trust me, that won't be easy. Uh, there, there is nothing about giving grace that is easy. Just ask Jesus. But it's what God has done for us. So let's do it for others. You know, the last few weeks you've heard me share about how uh, we as a church um, and you individually can, can join in with your church family to be a blessing to others at Christmas. And so this is just a, a small reminder of the, the snow doesn't scare you away at, at 1.15 uh, p.m. We're going to be meeting up at Liberty Village uh, just down the road in Maryville um, uh, to uh, a Christmas Carol to the seniors who live there. Um, uh, you may want to come back to the Christmas Carol play here at 3 o'clock and then, then join uh, on this coming Saturday at 9 a.m. Uh, meet up here to deliver uh, food and gifts to area families uh, through Ministries Unlimited Food Pantry. And, and, and there are several other ways that you can um, be God's scandalous lover in this world uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, but one way that you can live that kind of scandalous love out is, uh, is by being a conduit of God's grace. And, and maybe God is putting on your heart to be extra generous this December as we pour out God's scandalous love on those in our area by paying their medical debts. As you've probably heard, our church is going to be giving away 15% of all the income that is received this December uh, in partnership with the nonprofit group RIP Medical Debt. Um, and our goal is really to purchase uh, $3 million uh, worth of medical debt uh, owed by families who live in Madison County. Um, and, and to do so with only about twenty dollars to $30,000 of our contributions. And to share more about that, uh, I'd like to invite up our pastor of outreach and mission, uh, David Roderick. So uh, would you welcome David? Good morning. I may not sound like myself today, but um, I just wanted to share this with you, that when I first heard about the church paying off millions in medical debts for others, I had no idea how they could do it. But when we came across the RIP program, it began to make sense. They buy medical debt from collection agencies for pennies on the dollar and then forgive the debt. The money that RIP uses to buy that debt comes from places like our church. For the recipients, it's life-changing. When we as a staff were asked if this is something we would be interested in doing, I wasn't interested. I was compelled to get behind this. You see, I know the life-changing impact firsthand. Because 11 years ago, when my wife Tammy was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, the cost began to rise. Our insurance included a $7,000 deductible and a 20% copay. 
So that means that we got no help or reimbursement till after the $7,000, and then we're responsible for 20% of the rest of the, of the treatment. Add to that a $10,000 a year, $10,000 a year we were paying in premiums, and just the cost of the treatment alone was well over $40,000. But that doesn't include all the other costs of going through treatment for a major medical event, and I know that many of you here today know that very well. Like us, the debt from treatment is only part of the cost. There are other expenses not covered by insurance, and they can be financially devastating, especially if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Some of these include gas, which for us was weekly visits and sometimes daily trips to St. Louis for chemo treatments, blood draws, doctor visits, radiation, three hospitalizations, and several emergency room trips. That also made our food costs go up because we had to eat out a lot more often. There were lost wages on the days that Tammy couldn't work, and of course, the prescriptions. We had medicines to offset the effects of chemo, to treat the side effects of chemo, and then just ongoing medications. Well, we were having to make some pretty huge decisions about our financial future. We faced the possibility of claiming bankruptcy, having to sell our house, and of course, if the debt went into collections, it would destroy our credit for a long time. We felt the emotional and financial impact just as much, or almost as much as we did the impact of the cancer. These are the same decisions that many families face every day that we can help through RIP. For us, everything changed one day when Tammy got a call from the hospital and was told that our financial aid application had been reviewed, and as a result, our debt was paid in full. Tammy asked, you mean we don't have any balance? And they said, no, none. Not convinced, she said, for real? Well, that was followed by a lot of tears and a tremendous burden being lifted off all of us. Tammy said she felt almost as good at hearing that as she did when she was told her cancer was in remission. Long after cancer or injury or whatever medical issue is passed, People still have to deal with the financial consequences and often for years. Having our medical debt forgiven literally changed our lives and our future. So today I wanna to encourage you as you donate this month to be generous because you can change the lives of others through this ministry and the generosity of this church and the RIP medical debt. That's one way that you can share God's scandalous love with others. I we'll invite our ushers to come forward, and if you'd pray with me. God, as we've heard today, your grace is limitless. You love us so much. God, give us the ability to give grace to others daily. God, let us also meet other needs for people that we meet so often through the gifts that we give, uh, food for those who are hungry, clothes for those who need them. So many other ways we meet needs for families at Christmas with gifts. And God, this month is such a unique way to help people see a brighter, easier future by wiping away a debt that's overshadowing them. God, let us give generously today, knowing that what we give truly changes the lives of others and continues to share your scandalous love. First in Jesus' name we pray, amen.